Well, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 73 and also session 17 of Ask Scott. This is where I'm going to answer your questions here today on this podcast. So if you're brand new and you've never been to one of these episodes, this is where I actually answer listener questions, voicemails that are sent in by you. So if you do have a question, whether you're new to the show or whether you're someone that's been listening for a while, you can head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask and you can ask a question there and uh, just as it says. And I've been doing these now. This is my 17th Friday of doing these. I usually do these on Friday and uh, this is where I'm going to answer four to five questions, sometimes six, depending on how long I have to go with the answers, but this is where I'm going to just give you kind of my advice or my take on something that you are dealing with or that you have questions on, and uh, I think a lot of people really like these because it's real. It's a real question, and it's me answering it. It's kind of like we're sitting around the table having a conversation, and that's what I want this to be because I really do enjoy these. This is one of my highlights of the week is doing the Ask Scott session because I get to answer and listen to your questions, but then get to answer them. So that's why I really enjoy them. So if you are brand new and you don't know where to start, I've got a couple of resources for you. The first one is a live workshop that I do where I actually break down everything that I've already kind of discussed on past episodes, but I really do chunk it down and give you the five phases to launch a product. And that can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. And from there, you can sign up to the next live workshop. The other thing that you can do right now, or actually after you listen to this episode, depending on where you are, you might be driving anyway, you can't do it at that point, but you're gonna wanna head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash start. Let me give you that again. It's theamazingseller.com forward slash start. And from there, you'll find some past episodes that I've put together where it'll actually walk you through my journey, but also all of the steps that I used to uh, pick my product, to launch my product, to start promoting the product and all of that stuff. So that can be found there as well. So before we do jump into the Q&A, I did want to uh, give a shout out to one of my iTunes listeners, one of my iTunes reviewers, that is. And let me just say again, I read these because they inspire me. They motivate me because you guys are saying that it's helpful. So I wanted to, again, give back and just say thank you. So this one here was written in by Julie W. And she says, love it, double explanation point, five stars. Thank you, Scott. I have had an Amazon FBA business for a year now, and though it's doing well, I really want to give it a boost by diving into the private labeling area. So my husband is now going to help me, and together we are learning and are so glad we found you. It's so refreshing to learn step by step. We are both looking forward to retiring, that's in quotes by the way, from our day jobs in the very near future. Well, Julie, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and I want to wish you luck on retiring from your day job. All right, so thank you so much. If you have not left an iTunes review, if you guys could do me a quick favor and do that, that would be awesome. It gives the show some love and it lets other people know that you're enjoying the show. So if you could do that, that would be awesome. All right, so let's go ahead and listen to the very first question of today's episode and I'm gonna go ahead and give you my answer. Scott, hi, it's uh, Brian from Utah. I've been listening to your podcast the last couple weeks and uh, just can't get enough of it. I keep on going back listening to from episode one all the way through and uh, just waiting for more. It's great stuff. 
So I've uh, been an eBay seller uh, the past few years along uh, with my own website and now I'm getting involved in Amazon and because I already have, I'm been shipping my own products and I'm, I'm doing the private labeling, do you suggest that I ship the items myself through Amazon Merchant Fulfillment or do you think I should take advantage of the fulfillment by Amazon and what are the advantages and disadvantages of each of those? Be glad to hear your thoughts. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Hey, Brian from Utah. Thank you so much for the question. And you know what? I really like this question because there are probably a lot more eBay sellers out there that have sold on eBay and probably want to find out how to get themselves to start selling or how they can start selling on Amazon. And because it is two different platforms, it's two different, you know, two different marketplaces, but they do have some similarities. But what I do want to mention here is you asked a question like, you know, should I do this as far as like fulfilling by Amazon or should I do fulfilled by merchant? So for those of you that are listening that are brand spanking new, fulfilled by merchant means that you, the supplier or you, the manufacturer or the seller is going to ship the item yourself from your home or your business. Fulfilled by Amazon is where you're going to ship the items to Amazon in bulk in a sense, and then they're going to you know, go ahead and, and ship the orders and then handle refunds and all that stuff. So my answer to this is definitely, definitely you want to take advantage of FBA. That's the reason why I even do this. Um, I wouldn't do it necessarily if I had to pack and ship everything, handle returns and all that stuff. Because on the surface, it might look like, well, let me just do fulfilled by merchant because then I can, you know, I can ship 10. If I only sell 10 a day, I can ship 10, you know, I'll package them up and get them ready and go ahead and ship them off to the post office or wherever I can do that. But what happens when you start selling 20 a day or 30 a day, or I just had a day the other day, actually it was yesterday was 91 units. Shipping 91 units in a day is going to be a job. And here's the other thing. When you uh, when you go ahead and you fulfill by merchant, I believe that Amazon also, it doesn't give you as much of a bump because Amazon wants to fulfill everything. They want that service being used because they're in control of it. So if there's, you know, if there's five different people selling a similar product and you're fulfilled by merchant and everyone else is fulfilled by Amazon, I believe Amazon is going to give them more visibility as long as obviously they don't have like three star review rating across, you know, all of them. You know, I can't prove that this is the case, but I would think that they would, and I've heard some people say that it is true, but I always look for um, fulfilling by Amazon because, again, I want to make this as passive as possible, even though we all know, and I did a recent post on this or a podcast on this, where you know, having something that is going to be passive or at least as much as possible, I mean, we all know that it's going to take work. But in this case, think about not having to store the stuff in a warehouse or in your garage, not having to go and buy the packaging to ship the stuff in, not having to print all the labels, not having to go and drive to the post office. Then on the flip side, not being able or not having to deal with people saying, I don't want the item, I want to return it. Then creating a return slip and then receiving the package, then processing the refund. 
all of that stuff you'd have to do. So definitely, definitely take advantage of FBA, fulfilled by Amazon. And I think that also I want to mention here is you have a a leg up on a lot of us because you've been in this business for a while, you said, selling on eBay. So you kind of already have, you know, a lot of you know, a lot of the things, a lot of the elements that you would need when selling on Amazon. You're, it's, you're just going to have them because you're already doing it. So now you just have to bring that knowledge and that, you know, that stuff, you know, all of that education and kind of bring that over to the Amazon platform, but then making it easier because they're going to fulfill it. So to me, it's going to be even easier for you and it's going to be nicer because fulfilling by Amazon is kind of like someone else working for you but yet you're not really, you know, having them on the books per se. All right. So that's going to answer your question. Thank you so much for the question. And I hope it's helped you. And uh, let's go ahead and uh, listen to the next question. And I'll give you my answer. Hi, Scott. This is uh, Randy. A question for some of the items that I'm interested in uh, uh, possibly uh, getting sourced for FBA have uh, various options such as uh, sizes and colors that I would need to be able to, to source from, uh, from Alibaba. Um, a lot of the competitors, competitors that I'm uh, looking at uh, give those options for, for various sizes and colors, and looks like that could complicate things. Uh, I would have to get a lot of uh, different uh, uh, types of uh, items in stock just to, to cover those. Uh, those various options. I wonder if you have any uh, experience with that and how flexible uh, a lot of the sourcing uh, companies might be as far as the number of uh, different uh, sizes and colors that uh, they might require you to have uh, if I want to go into this particular product line. Hopefully that uh, makes sense. Uh, Enjoy uh, the podcast tremendously. Thank you. Hey, Randy, thanks so much for the question, and it's a great question, and it's something that I think probably could be an issue for new people starting, uh, or even people that want to launch a new product, period, okay, because what you're, what you're asking, I think, from what I've gathered there, is, you know, should I launch a product that has multiple variations, multiple sizes, multiple colors, you know? Uh, and and how to determine what ones I should maybe start with, and I think that's where I wanna I wanna kind of go with this. Is if you're very if you're starting for the very first time and you're launching a product, a brand new product, either your your first product or one that you're launching to your existing brand, I would say that you want to figure out what is going to be the most popular one of that variation because even though you see a bunch like let's say someone offers 10 different variations of colors it doesn't mean that they're selling all of those consistently you might have one or two that are selling consistently and that's usually the case so what i would start with is the most common one or the most generic one and there's a couple different things you can do here first off you could just go ahead and do a search for that particular keyword of that product. So again, let's just, uh, let me throw something out here. Let me just say it's socks, okay? We're not using garlic press in this case because we don't have a ton of different variations with a garlic press, but let's just say socks. And let's say that you have, you know, let's just call them, um, 
Let's call them basketball socks. Okay, so if that's what we're looking for, we're going to type in basketball socks. And now you're going to then see a bunch of searches, right? Or a bunch of listings that are coming up. Well, most of the time, and I can't really prove this, but I do have people you know, that I know personally that do sell variations and they have a little bit more knowledge than I do about this because they do have more variations and stuff like this. And what, what I've known, and I've also done a little bit of research on this myself by just kind of looking at my competitors and seeing this with variations. But if you type in a certain keyword and let's say that they sell 10 different colored socks, but let's say that the red socks are displayed when you do that search that's probably the one that has gotten sold the most in the past, let's say, couple of days, let's say, or even a week, all right, or maybe in, in, in general, all right, so I would do that for that, and I would look to see what one I feel is, you know, the, the more popular one. The other thing you can do is then dig through the reviews and then start to hear what people are talking about. If they say, yeah, these are great, they match, um, you know, my, I don't know, my gym shorts or something. Again, like I'm using the basketball socks uh, example here, but maybe you can get some clues there to see which one you feel is more common. Now, you may just already know that the most common one is the gray or the black. Who knows, right? You might just already automatically know that. So that's what I would probably do. Those are the things that I would look at, and I would definitely look at the different keywords. So again, if it's basketball socks, I would try that keyword. Then I would maybe do basketball socks for kids. Maybe that's another one that you're looking at doing. And then I would see what color comes up for that one. And if if out of a bunch of these different searches, you're seeing that you're getting all of them are coming back the same, then I would use then I would use that as my as my data, right, as my way to see which ones. Now, the other thing that you might want to do, and this is kind of going outside of Amazon in a sense, is going to Google and using their keyword planner tool and typing in basketball socks and then looking up those red ones or maybe the purple ones or whatever the variations are, and then that can also give you some clues to see how much search volume is being done for those particular socks. Now, that is going outside of Amazon, but it's just giving me the idea uh, as far as the market goes, not necessarily in Amazon. But if you do the other one where you do the keyword search inside of Amazon and then you see what the listing image comes up, you know, as far as being listed, that's going to probably be the one that's more um, popular. So that's how I would do that. But I would definitely, definitely not recommend getting like, you know, five different variations of colors right off the bat when you don't know which one is really selling. If you wanted to, you can narrow it down to two or three, I guess would be my next thing. But I would say try to start with one and then build from that. So I hope that that's answered your question. Uh, Let's go ahead and listen to the next question and I'll give you my answer. Hey, Scott, Spencer here. Uh, First of all, thanks a bunch for all you're doing. I really appreciate it. I love the way that you boil it down and just give us the nuts and bolts, all killer and no filler, as the kids say these days. Um, But my question is quick. We we have been doing FBA for about a year now and having some really good success, in fact. And we started private labeling uh, about two months before we found your podcast. And um, my question has to do with kind of in-the-weeds stuff of Alibaba. Every time we order inventory... um, from a different supplier, it's kind of a pain in the tail to do the transaction. You know, the first time it was PayPal and they added 5%, which at the time seemed expensive, but now is seeming kind of cheap. This latest time we did trade assurance um, and they required a bank transfer for the trade assurance, which was a $45 fee and was just really confusing. And I wasn't sure exactly how, whether or not it was successful. And actually it remains to be seen whether or not they'll get the money. Um, 
But if you could just uh, walk us through your process for how you initiate a trade assurance order and then how you pay for it, because I know you said you paid with a credit card, which I would really like to do, but haven't found out how. Um, that would be awesome. And uh, I hope you're having a great day. Keep kicking out the really good content and uh, helping all of us just go ahead and take action. Thanks, man. Hey, Spencer, thanks so much for the question and congratulations on all your success so far. I know it's pretty exciting because uh, when you're starting this, you just don't know if it's going to work. You have these little self-doubts and usually when you pull the trigger, you get some type of results. So I'm really glad that uh, you're having some success and you're able to share it here on uh, your voicemail because I can tell that uh, you're excited about it and you should be. So uh, thank you so much for that and thanks for the feedback. Uh, I do want to answer your question. I'm going to give you my answer as far as what I currently do, but I also wanted to kind of highlight what other people are doing that I am friends with and that uh, are also selling on Amazon. So I'll, I'll point out their strategies as well. Me personally, I kind of got lucky because my agent in the beginning, I asked if they would do escrow and they said yes. So basically, this is how it works. I go ahead and I tell them now that I want to order 2,000 units. They go ahead and they send me an invoice, okay, through the escrow service inside of Alibaba. Now, I have to go in and complete the transaction. Well, inside of this escrow service that Alibaba offers, I go ahead and I punch in my credit card information, which... I think I mentioned this on, maybe it was one of my income reports, where I use a credit card that also gives me 1% cash back. So I also get uh, 1%. Actually, it's an Amazon card that I actually get points. So I use that card. So for every, what, $1,000 that I spend, I get 10 bucks. okay? Not a lot, but it adds up over time. But why not, why not go ahead and get that 10 bucks? Anyway, so that's what I do as far as as uh, paying for it. I use the credit card, I punch in my information, and then from there, I hit submit. So now they are notified that I have completed the transaction, that I've given them the money, okay? I've given the escrow service the money, and now they can go ahead and feel safe that as long as they fulfill the order, that I will release the money or, you know, basically say that I'm happy with the order. So go ahead and pay these people. And that's what I've been doing from day one. Now, I did have a couple of situations where they were starting to be like, hey, you're ordering a lot more now. We want to go ahead and switch over to wire transfer because with wire transfer, they don't need to pay anything on their end. And on my end, it would just be like a $45 bank fee. The only problem is once I send that money over there, there's no insurance on that. So they're going to get the money instantly before I even get the product. So I fought them on that a little bit, basically saying that, you know, I have no problem paying an additional fee if that's the problem. And that was the problem. So they went ahead and said that we'll go ahead and split the fee with you. So let's just say, for example, it's a 5% fee. They would pay 2.5%. I would pay 2.5%. But to be honest with you, I would even pay the 5% as Spencer, you have said, it's cheap in the big scheme of things when you figure it's insurance. Now, I am probably in the future going to possibly move into doing a wire transfer with this agent because now I trust them. So that's a huge element here, right? I trust them and I built this trust over time and it's going to save them money. So what it's going to do then in turn is reduce the cost of my product. So I'm going to maybe save 10, 20 cents per unit. 
okay, because of this. Now, I haven't done that yet. It's just in my plans to do it. Right now, I'm really just kind of like, I guess, being a little bit lazy on that aspect of it because it's working. So I just say, I want to order another 2,000 units. The next day, they send me over an invoice. I pay it. Boom, I'm in production. It's that simple. And then the cool thing is, is once I receive that, you know, the final product here, and actually I do it in in two phases. Um, I give them 25% down. No, it's 30% down. And that's to get the uh, the manufacturing started, and then I pay them the seventy percent once uh, they ship it. So now they ship it, I release the seventy percent. Now here's the thing, though: even though I've given them the thirty percent down, and even though I've given them the seventy percent, it doesn't go to them directly until I receive the goods and I go ahead and click confirm inside of the escrow account. Okay, and after I do that, then the escrow company sends them the money or releases the money to them. So that's really how it works for me personally. Now, I am looking at other uh, other products within other markets, and I will now probably take advantage of the uh, the um, assurance or assurance or whatever they're calling it, right? Trade assurance. I'm going to probably take um, and go that route because that is probably the the next best thing, but I will always try to do escrow first because escrow to me is just the best way to do it, but you're going to find that some manufacturers, a lot of them won't want to do that, okay? So you're going to have to kind of go with what is going to work for both of you, but I would try that and I would also offer to pay that percentage if that's why they won't do it, all right? So that's the way that I do it. Now, I do know that there's other uh, sellers, friends of mine that are doing the wire transfer and they are using the trade assurance and they haven't had any problems. Now I have heard from other people, not in, you know, like my little, you know, circle here or my group here. I have, I have heard of people, uh, sending money over and then not getting product. So that's why I'm a little reluctant to even say doing the wire transfer until you know, like, and trust them. I think it's huge, but there are people that I know right now that are doing that and they're, they're having success with it. Now, here's one little thing. If you are going to go the wire transfer route, you probably will want to do a smaller quantity just to kind of, again, test the relationship, test their system. I mean, you can almost learn this with, with a sample, but a lot of times with a sample, they will let you do PayPal because it's not that big of a, an order and they're willing to you know, eat the 5% or whatever it is on the sample cost. Um, but I would definitely try to do a smaller order if you have to do a wire transfer at first because this is going to allow you to protect yourself and build that relationship until you get that trust level because that's really what it is here. And um, you know, I know some people that they're willing to gamble that and that's okay if that's what you want to do. Me personally, I always try to go escrow if I can and I'll do... I'll go back and forth with a couple emails until I see that they're not going to budge. And I did this with one other product and I was able to get them to do the escrow. Um, but it took a couple of back and forth saying that my company um, only pays through escrow. And if you want our business, you have to accept escrow. Um, that was the route I went. The other thing is obviously, and Spencer, I know you probably already know this and maybe you don't use AliExpress, but AliExpress is really the safest way if you're going that route. But again, that's when you're in the kind of like the beginning stages and you want to go ahead and test products um, because that is all kind of based on kind of like the escrow model. You get to use your credit card. Um, they're going to go ahead and, and make sure that you get your product. If you don't, you can go ahead and 
request to get a refund and all that stuff. And that's AliExpress. But um, I hope that's answered your question. I know it was a little long-winded, but I wanted to give you exactly what I'm doing. So thanks again, and congratulations once again, and thank you so much for the positive words as well. So let's go ahead and listen to one more question, and I'll give you my answer. Hey, Scott. It's Kevin from Scotland. Great podcast. What I really like about the show is that while a lot of people with FBA knowledge out there are monetizing their knowledge and selling Amazon FBA courses, you're just giving it away for free. And not only that, you're documenting the journey from start throughout. You're taking us on that journey with you and you're throwing in a good dose of coaching, which I really, really find helpful. My question is, is it a better strategy to increase revenue by adding new products, or is it a better strategy to extend the reach of a product by going into new territories? So I'm in the UK, and I can go into obviously the UK market, the European market, and possibly even the US market. So that's that's my question. What 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 do you think is the best strategy for increasing revenue? Is it add more products or is it take that one product or few products and really try and extend the reach of those products by getting into new Amazon markets and going as far as you can? Interested to hear your thoughts on that. And if you ever want to add a PayPal donation button to your site, I'll happily buy you some coffees and I'll buy some Brody some little biscuits. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Hey, hey, Kevin from Scotland. Wow, I love it. I love it that uh, that I'm actually reaching you and that you're reaching back out. So I want to thank you for that. It really means a lot that, uh, that you're uh, phoning in here and uh, you're leaving a question all the way from Scotland. Love the accent too, by the way. Uh, yeah, to answer your question, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, I have my own, you know, I guess advice that I would give myself is that I'm going to stay within the U.S. market right now because it's a bigger market. But I do know there's opportunity inside of these other outside markets, you know, in different parts of the world. And there's not as much competition, but there's also not as much traffic. So, for me personally, um, I know a lot of people that start on on the you know Amazon.com, the U.S. market, and then from there they can then bring their products across the other ones. But I still think that I would build out the product line on uh, the .com, the Amazon.com, the U.S. market. I would do that first because I think that's going to be your quickest way to really uh, start to generate revenue. And I say quickest way. I don't want people listening to this for the first time thinking like, oh, Scott just said it's going to be quick. It's going to be easy. We're going to go ahead and launch a product and we're going to be able to quit our job and we're going to make $40,000 in like a month. And that's not the case. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is it's going to be quicker in in the, uh, in the the you know, the, the point of there's more traffic there, right? There's more people buying. So yeah, you can go over into, uh, you know, the Canada market or the UK market and and put a product in there and you're going to get a few sales, but you're not going to get as many as you would if you were over in the U S market, because those aren't big enough yet. They aren't having the traffic that the U S is. And that's just the way it is right now. Um, but 
you know, I don't know for sure if it would be better to just launch one product in the US and then take that and bring it over to the UK, bring it over to Canada, bring it over to, you know, all of these other different markets. I'm not sure if that would benefit you, but I personally would stay within the US for, you know, for as long as it took to build out my product line and get that going, because I think that's going to to get me the most momentum. And I think it's key to when we're starting to get momentum. If you go ahead, you go ahead, go ahead, and go ahead, and you and you you put a product up on on a you know, marketplace outside of the U.S. You know, Amazon, of course. You know, even though it's Amazon, doesn't mean that it's going to have the traffic in it. So you might start off and just get two sales a day, and that might be consistent, and that might be what you're going to get. You know, maybe five sales a day because just the traffic is not there. Um, so I would rather see you stay within the U.S. market and then just really try to ramp that up as quick as possible. And you can just do so many more things as far as like testing. You can test your pay-per-click more because you're going to have more traffic to test it with. You're going to be able to you know, get more reviews quicker. It's going to be easier for that. Um, all of that stuff to start getting yourself ranked inside of you know the U.S. market. And it's going to, again, allow you to possibly make some money and then from there, you know, reinvest that into other products and then start scaling out the business. But again, it's all about, you know, what you're comfortable with and what your idea as far as like where you want to go in the next 90 days or, you know, next six months or a year. Um, it really depends on that. But that's my thoughts on that. I know it wasn't a direct answer. Well, it kind of was. I, I would stay in the U.S. market for, for now and I would probably build that out um, staying within the U.S. market. So I hope that's helped. Once again, I want to thank you for your question because, uh, again, it's a great question, but it was also from Scotland. So awesome. Thanks so much. So let's go ahead and answer one more question. I'll give you my answer, and then we'll wrap up this episode. Hi, Scott. My name is Rebecca. I'm a Texan, but I live in Utah, and I've been listening to your podcast since the very beginning, and it is so helpful. I really appreciate it, and I know that there's lots of others out there that have gained so much and have been successful. Um, I'm still working on my first private label product, and my question is regarding tools of the trade. I just was wondering if you could give us your, I don't know, three or four, or however many must-haves that you use, um, like tax jar, inventory lab. I've been hearing these different things, and I just was wondering if you could give us your opinion on those, those types of things. Okay. Thanks so much. Hey, Rebecca, thank you so much for the question. And I love it that we have another woman asking a question. You know, we get a lot of guys asking questions, but I get very few women. So thank you so much for the question. And thank you so much for the kind words again. And I want to just say this again publicly that, you know, you guys leave in iTunes reviews and, you know, comments on the blog and voicemails like this that are telling me this stuff. I mean, it makes me feel really good and is the reason why I continue to do this. So thank you so much. And I guess what I'm saying is, um, you know, keep letting me know that it's helping you and that, uh, you know, it's making a difference because that's why I wanted to start this podcast all the way back on episode one. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, this is a great question. And actually I've recently did an entire podcast and blog post on this particular topic. I actually went through all of the tools that I've either used or that other people have recommended to me. So I went ahead and I put together a resources page on the blog at theamazingseller.com forward slash resources. And I'll just give you a few of them off the top of my head, but it really depends 
It really does depend on where you are in this business. But for starters, I mean, it starts with product research, you know, and before when I was starting, I really didn't use many tools for the product research. I really just did it the old fashioned way where, where I would search for a product, uh, an idea after I brainstormed, and then I would go ahead and I would start looking you know, up keywords, and then I would start drilling into these certain subcategories, and then I would start looking at their BSRs, and then I would look at the reviews, and then I would look at the price and all this stuff, and then I would compile it in a data sheet and all that stuff. Um, well, that you know, the new tool, which you guys are familiar with that I'm using now all the time is jungle scout. And, uh, that particular one is a must have, I believe. And it's something that is just saved me so much time. And it's also turned me on to products that I didn't even think about because I'm able to drill down a lot quicker. Um, so that's jungle scout. That's definitely one that I would recommend. The other one is camel, camel, camel. It's a free tool. Now jungle scout is a paid tool. Um, I do have a 10% special link for TAS listeners. That was from Greg Mercer. Um, you can find that on the resource page as well. But then there's, um, like I said, Camel, Camel, Camel. That's a nice free tool. It actually gives you some history of the BSRs. It also gives you history of the pricing. So that's another good one. Google Trends. That's another great tool for seeing, you know, if a market is, you know, either, you know, if it has different, you know, peaks and valleys as far as when it's a good time to sell that product or if it's a declining market. So Google Trends, Amasuite 4, that's another paid product. Um, Chris Guthrie created that product. I'm using that one. The main tool I'm using on that one there is I'm using it again for product research. It's basically giving me ideas and it's also helping me with uh, finding review uh, or top reviewers um, inside of Amazon, which I'm working on that like right now, like actively like this week, I'm, I'm like digging down inside using that particular module inside of uh, Amosuite 4. Again, that one there is more product research and also for, for reviews. But then um, as far as like keyword research, I'm looking, I use, you know, some free tools. I use Google Keyword Planner. I use uh, Merchant Words. Um, that one, they have a free version on that as well. AMZ Shark, I use that for tracking. And then Amosuite 4, again, for keyword research. They have a module in there for keyword research. Um, product uh, sourcing. And again, I have all these listed out, so I'm not going to go through them all, but these are the main ones in the beginning, especially. Um, product sourcing, obviously AliExpress, Alibaba, and then Thomas Net. That's another one. Um, so those are like the ones like in the beginning that a lot of people are asking about. Those are the ones, but again, I've got product pictures and artwork. I've got a, a, all of the ones I recommend for there. Email follow-up and collection, um, you know, things like Feedback Genius, Aweber, Lead Pages. Uh, those are the ones that I currently use. So those are there as well. And then product reviews, that's another big one. Um, Thomason, Viral Launch, Facebook Review Groups. I have one that in particular that I recommend as of right now, Snagshout. Um, so again, those, these are all listed. I have accounting, um, links there for you that I use and then business and legal stuff. Legal zoom is one that I recommend on that as well. And I have some recommended books and stuff too. Um, but again, it comes down to don't overwhelm yourself. Like what are you needing? You know, what are you needing tools for? Um, don't buy tools just because everyone else is buying tools. I look at it like what's going to help me expose and kind of see products that I could potentially uh, private label. Uh, and then I look at what's going to save me time. And then what is going to also help me, um, you know, move and push the business to the next level. What is going to help me automate things like feedback genius for like your follow-up, your sequences and stuff like that. That works really good. But again, keyword tracking, it's not an, it's, you don't necessarily need it, but it's helpful when you're trying to rank for certain keywords and you're seeing like how, you know, how you're doing for the work that you're putting in. So 
I know this was kind of kind of like a long-winded answer, but you can go through and see all of those particular products. And again, like I said, it really depends on the person, you know, because I don't, I'm not a big fan of getting all the tools just because everyone has them. I, I b- believe you should get the tools that you need right now. And then from there, use them. And then you're going to always have them in your tool bag, you know, in, in a sense. Um, and I always go back to the construction days. You know, if I was doing jobs and I was working on someone's house and I was, you know, putting kitchen cabinets up, well, I needed certain tools to help me with those kitchen cabinets, right? I needed, you know, certain things. I needed a level, right? I needed a level to make sure that they were level. I needed, uh, you know, I needed a hammer so I could go ahead and uh, and use it to, to nail in the trim. You know, all of that stuff, right? Tools. We need them in this business. We just don't need all of the tools because it might not be the right time or we might not need it for that particular job. But Anyway, that's my answer for that. So I don't have like three tools that are a definite must other than, like I said, the product research tools, they are a must because that's what you need to really expose these these different ones. Um, and it's going to save you a ton, a ton of time. So I hope that's been helpful. Once again, I want to thank everyone for leaving your questions. You guys all know I love doing this. It's as close as I can get to really actually like hanging out and kind of discussing some questions. But let me just say something here. For those of you that don't know, and depending on when you're listening to this, if you're listening to this after, let's see, August 2015, this is probably not going to pertain to you. It Actually, it won't pertain to you. But if you are, um, I'm going to be in Texas, Fort Worth, Texas, uh, and I'm going there for a podcast event, actually. I'm going there to get, uh, actually learn a little bit more about podcasting how I can streamline it, how I can make it more effective, and actually how I can just be a better podcaster. But I'm going there, and I announced it to a lot of people in the TAS community because I know a lot of them are from Texas. Not everyone, but a lot of people are. And also Chris Schaefer is from Texas and uh, a few other people. And I just put it out there. I said, hey, if we want to have a little meetup there, if you're in the, in the area, let's stop by and let's kind of just talk business. We can meet and we can hang out, have a little TAS meetup. And I did that and I posted it in the Facebook group. And as of right now, I think there's 22 or 23 of us that are going to meet up. So you're more than welcome to come. It's totally free. Um, We're going to have it actually at the Omni uh, Hotel, which is in Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, the uh, Whiskey and Rye uh, bar slash restaurant is inside of the Omni as well. We're going to do that Saturday at 10 o'clock p.m., um, and that will be, uh, obviously Texas time. Uh, so, I uh, just wanted to throw that out there. If you're free and you wanted to come hang out, that's where we'll be. And, uh, we're just going to kind of hang out and kind of talk business and answer questions and meet each other and just kind of get to actually, I guess, shake hands. So if you're, uh, if you're available, love to have you. Uh, that's pretty much again, like I said, going to wrap it up. If you're brand new again, I want to remind you, I do a live workshop totally free. I answer live Q&A on that. Chris uh, Chris Schaefer also joins me on that. He helps with the Q&A. And uh, you can register for that at theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. All right. So I would love to see you there too. So that's it. That's going to wrap it up. Thank you again, once again, for being a listener. You guys are awesome. You guys rock. And uh, I just appreciate you. And I really do love doing these podcasts. So thanks again for being awesome. All right. So remember, I'm here for you. I'm rooting for you. I believe in you. And I know that you can make this happen. But we have to, you have to take action. Take care. Talk to you later.